0: Christine Russo, and you're listening to what just happened on Market Scale. Hey, everyone. Welcome, Michelle Backrock, CEO of FindMine. Michelle, it's good to see
1: you. Thanks. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me.
0: So, we met probably two years ago, about ish, coming up on that. And certainly, we were, it was a different time then. So, tell me about
1: FindMine and what's going on right now. One of the reasons I started this business was that I believe personalization can literally bankrupt businesses. There's so much risk in just doing the personalization and losing your brand's editorial vision. There's what's right for the customer, what's right for the brand. And this magic intersection is this tiny slice in the middle that without Mind and a personalization solution, you're never gonna find it.
0: Personalization has been a huge topic. And I think universally agreed upon is a very important aspect to having a digital business. And this is what I'm hearing. What you're saying is, guys, guess what? That doesn't work the way it should without this other part, it actually doesn't function without the the curatorial side of it, which
1: is find mine as a service wow. or in-house. I think personalization can be so dangerous if taken to an extreme. There's hidden trapdoors that will catch you in this endless cycle of reducing your price, which will lead to your ultimate death. You're never gonna win. And your brand dies. Our first input is what does the brand believe? What is that differentiation? Keep that sacrosanct. And then within that, there's probably like 50 different ways that I could wear an outfit that's right within the 150 different ways that are appropriate for the brand. But we're never gonna let the consumer go off base and lose touch with what makes the brand different because it is so dangerous for the brand.
0: So, okay, not to spend too much time on what you don't do. But I think it's really important because brands and retailers, you know, are overwhelmed by by all
1: of these options and choices. The other thing that I see happening all the time is like brands have invested or retailers have invested millions of dollars in a customer data platform, which I would put in the personalization category. And you have like unique customer segments across 100,000 segments, right? And you could do one-to-one storytelling with each, which is amazing. Getting there in and of itself is a huge challenge, but then you get there and then you're like, okay, marketing, let's get, you know, hundred thousand different messages out to these people and marketing is like, no, no, here's five pieces of creative that our team has approved. That we feel good about respecting the brand appropriately. So now you don't have a hundred thousand segments, you have five segments and all of that work and all that money and investment, you just lit it on fire. Because you didn't think about the content volume that's required to support that level of storytelling and still meet your brand guidelines.
0: So, how do you fix that? Are you able to one on one message with FindMind?
1: Yeah, because what FindMind does is we're a content engine. We amplify the amount of editorial and inspirational content that's available, sometimes by, you know, 10,000 X what you have, right? And so, if we can take that little nugget of you know, five assets that your marketing team feels great about and splice it and dice it and make it into a whole bunch of different flavors and varieties that are still on brand. Cause again, that's the most important thing, but are, are different enough and dynamic enough to be appropriate for each of those people has to be very different. And we can make that variety happen so that then you get a one-to-one story that's possible without running your marketing team into the ground by saying now give me a hundred thousand assets because there's no way that they're going to be able to do that
0: you remember in math when there would be a sequence of numbers and there was an exclamation point at the end which meant (laughs) multiply the multiply the multiply. i feel like that is what you do with instead of numbers there's assets and so you're doing that math to end up with the ultimate end quantity it's almost mm-hmm. an endless now, but really it's a based on how many you start with, but then you apply that same kind of methodology of putting an exclamation point to then end up with
1: that many iterations. Exactly. Quite literally, we're making permutations and combinations that turn into different assets and inspirational content, which it is a a, a factorial. It is that exclamation, exclamation point at the end of and the really long string of numbers. What we do for brands is we help them scale out their editorial vision. Scale out their editorial vision. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, great question. That is the only differentiator that exists in a very competitive world where you can buy most of the same stuff on Amazon. And Amazon definitely doesn't have editorial vision. So everybody else's opportunity is having a really great editorial vision. It's really hard to scale.
0: When I go on your website, you talk about the brand point of view, brand POV. Pause there. Now I hear you say scaling editorial assets. So now I understand from being in brick and mortar that that really means what are you feeling when you walk into a space? What is that? You know, a blue shirt is a blue shirt is a blue shirt, as you're alluding to wherever it's from. But what does that feel like when it's been curated onto the mannequin or set next to another shirt that lines way up to the actual corporate office design teams
1: creative director and what their point of view is yeah yeah exactly what fine mind does is we make that happen more often we make that feeling happen more often for the consumer in a way that doesn't take merchants or marketers hundreds of hours to manually put together a beautifully curated story and email. One of the ways to also look at it is
0: amortizing the effort that it takes to create the creative. It's so much effort. There are teams, there are hours, there are outside people and contractors to do it. And you get X amount of nibbles at the, at it. How much, how much kind of marketing can you do with it? How many times can it be on a landing page except You come in and you get so many more bites of the apple. So that's what you do. You basically expand the creative
1: and the editorial. Exactly. We expand it and we also don't let it die on the vine. The rate of change in retail is so high. You could put all this effort into like doing this beautiful photo shoot, but then two thirds of the products in the photo shoot, by the time all that assets, all the assets are live, two thirds of the products that were used in the photo shoot are not available for sale. And now what are you inspiring the customer to do? Right? So what I, what I hate to see happen is these poor merchants spending 40 hours to curate this beautiful landing page, and then some products start selling out and then those all disappear or dead links. Where are you redirecting them to get that same feeling, that same goal accomplished when those products are not available? So we actually help with that as well. We can help the customer land in a place that has all available products but achieves the same goal. What you bring in is a dynamic in in
0: in real time reactivity to whatever is happening with yeah. inventory or let's say a particular product gets a huge bump from an influencer for whatever reason and it goes viral you're able to react to that because they've they've got your technology. So how does it happen? What's what are you what are you actually doing in order for this to happen?
1: Our system is cross-referencing all these different data points to know What is the right product that should go on this story? For example, once our system is onboarded, it takes about two weeks to do that. We can give these assets anywhere in the organization that they need to live. So we can power those landing pages. We can be in the email campaigns. We can feed to human personal shoppers. Here's some content you should suggest to the customer. And we save those people 90% of their time. So it doesn't always have to be directly to the consumer there can be a human intermediary but when there's human intermediary we make that human 90% more effective we give them so much of their time back because we do the heavy lifting
0: you referred to find mine as debottlenecking
1: mm-hmm. so what do you mean so debottlenecking is our way of kind of helping you visualize the amount of assets that you have to do storytelling if you think about like creating that editorial story because it's highly carried and very manual it's slow whether it's a photo shoot and then it ends up in like a an image on the website of like a lifestyle moment or it's the man- mannequin in the store a window display or something that's like highly curated and very manual and so now you only have five assets that your marketing team feels good about when you have a hundred thousand unique segments if you think about like visualizing that a hundred thousand segments is this five assets is this that's a bottleneck and so find mine remove that bottleneck, So we just go boop and so now it's not five assets it's maybe not a hundred thousand, but maybe it's 50,000, right? Brands have
0: a real, it's a control issue, not an issue. It's, it's control. A brand by definition is something that's controlled by the creators. Mm -hmm. So that has slowed adoption to a lot of automation where the creators of automation on the SaaS side really just shake their head and go, why isn't everyone doing this? Like, this is the greatest thing ever. You can reach so many more people. Like the the reasons for doing it are endless. But at the heart of it is eh, I don't know. Do I trust outside of my process, which is one hundred percent human based with a mm-hmm. with a managerial system, right? A hierarchy and approval process, etc. Where do you see that, and how do you quote unquote combat that in convincing brands that when when you use FineMind? There's a, a comfort level of everything's approved. I, the end results will meet your brand standards. Talk about yeah.
1: that. So like control is not a bad thing. That is the differentiator between Nike and Adidas. If you didn't so tightly control it, those two companies would look a lot more similar. So you want to have the high quality that meets that bar. Quality is actually higher when you introduce some level of algorithmic support to make sure that those things that are really important to you are respected. The best offer recognizes, hey, people might not be comfortable with full automation from the get-go. So don't make them start there, right? Maybe don't ever make them try to get there in the first place. Maybe that's not the end goal. But what can you do to remove friction in the process that does fit with their philosophical belief about what needs to be done to maintain and respect the brand? Gartner has this theme of 2020 trends for retail. And the number one was merchandising and marketing, playing team ball. We are the connective tissue between those two things. Marketing assets are not dynamic by definition, but merchandising is super dynamic by definition. And like, they're almost working at cross purposes, not even on purpose, but just because like one is sort of on one time cycle and another is on this other time cycle.
0: One would think that those are normally very fluid departments. But as you just said, they're very different from a timing standpoint. So I love the repeat in this discussion of time. Time is such a huge element in retail and it is not talked about enough.
1: The rate of change is the time variable that is killing them because they have 5,000 products that are going in and out of stock and selling at various proportions and are against plan or at plan or behind plan and like different places in different parts of the country and the world. And like, man, that's a lot of change. That rate of change is just insane. Is it automated at this point? If you're talking about like a sort page, for sure. But none of it's connected to the assets that marketing produced at time zero. And that's the big disconnect, right? That like, you should be able to give merchandising a lever that's not put this at the top of the pants page or mark the pants down as their ways to improve the sell through of pants elevated editorial treatment, gets the customer over that hump. So all of your automation tools that can push individual product don't help you in that squishy situation where the product's not performing well, but it's not actually a dog. That's where you need elevated treatment of those products that marketing just doesn't have the resources to help you on. And that's where we come in. Everyone spends so much time in retail on the top 10 or 20% of the products and the long tail just gets absolutely ignored. And that is the source of all the inventory challenges is that there's just not enough time to focus on the long tail. So everyone has to prioritize the head. That's why you see a lot of the personalization software, the Clavios and stuff like that. They just double down on what's performing well. So they jack up your revenue, which is great, but it's at the expense of the long tail. And so software like FineMine has recognized that challenge and said, get you more revenue, prioritize top performers 100%, but don't do it at the detriment of the long tail. We solve all these other problems like, you know, clearing out excess inventory, saving gross margin, like all that kind of stuff.
0: Once you inspire the customer with the brand point of view, it's more likely, first of all, to move in and of itself, but also probably get some add-on sales as well.
1: Yeah, it's that what you said at the beginning where it's like the Russo math of how much wear am I gonna get out of this product? If I can wear it a lot, the ROI has gone up on it, so now maybe it's worth paying full price before. So if you can show that chartreuse pair of jeans in five different outfits styled up, styled down, like with stuff you already own, you, you've broken that doubt in the customer's mind that like, oh, I love this product, so cool, but am I really gonna use it enough? You stop them from talking themselves out of the purchase. That is huge, it makes a huge difference and like, Get the long tail to piggyback off of the successful performers and move the needle on those.
0: You're saying you can you can squeeze out more full price or lower markdown transactions yeah. for product because seeing it in different ways and being inspired rather than doubtful is what you what you do and what your your specialty is. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, like we have saved brands and retailers. On average, is 20 basis points per campaign that you run through a system in gross margin that we're saving you because you're not marking products off. And you have a glut of inventory in a particular product category. We've been able to clear those out and empty warehouses. Literally, FineMind has been directly responsible for emptying a warehouse that had way too many of a particular pair of shoes. And like during the pandemic, when you couldn't send them to TJ Maxx, you couldn't send them to Nordstrom Rack. Like stores were closed. Like it was the most critical because it was so weird. You had all these other liquidation opportunities off the table. We were able to empty that warehouse. So it's it's not like true that if it doesn't click right away, it's a dog. Why would you invest in something you think is a dog? You would never do that. It's like a bad use of reallocating resources. But if you have software that can do that, the marginal cost is the minimis. Our software can actually track if by putting the assets, drop the performance of the assets. And if it does, we stop. So you pull back on it before you've done damage to your good performing products. And you get all the data after the fact. So then you can see, hey, like pushing these jeans actually made a huge difference. We didn't have to go on sale. And then our revenue stayed high. And here's how we can think about this going forward and kind of put that into into the like hopper for next time in terms of how you buy, in terms of how you merchandise, in terms of other products that follow the same pattern. There's like learnings there that can be really useful in the organization
0: i'm having those aha moments those like jaw dropping moments I, I had the very first time that we spoke and it's been a long time and my and yeah. just you know it's my enthusiasm and the the scope of what you do it's so needed i really enjoyed this and so excited to hear all the new things going on and in response to you listening or find mine listening to the to the market and continuing to evolve to meet brands and retailers' needs. So thank you, Michelle. Yeah, thank you, it was really fun.